Hey friends, we are back with another great show today and we are talking about something very, very important. Uh, very, very, we're gonna use the word foundational in this new series, The Gospel, period. We're talking about Bible stories and why it's important that Bible stories happened. Bible stories happened. Bible stories happened. We're going to do that with special guest Logan Keysweater, and we're going to get to it right now. Here we go. All right. Well, hey, uh, back in action here in the studio and getting ready to just talk about some exciting, uh, exciting things. I love preaching the Bible. That's why I'm Pastor AJ, because God put a call on my life uh, over 20 years ago, a long time ago. I've been doing this, serving Jesus in this world. Um, God just changed my life, and nothing makes me light up like talking about his great great gospel. So this new series is called The Gospel Period, and joining me in studio today is my good friend, Ryan Rinko. So here's Ryan. Ryan, we're excited that you're here with us today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. Hey, Ryan, tell us something special about yourself, man. Oh, boy. Uh, if there is food at the end of a hallway, best believe I will get there first. Ooh, man, that's, uh, <laughs> that's nice. I like that one. Too. Me too. Me too. What's your favorite kind of food? I would say Mexican. Mexican? Oh, okay. Just got to watch out for those beans sometimes, man. You know, I get the best of you. So, uh, so here's, that's Ryan. Uh, he's with us in studio and, uh, we're going to, um, kind of jump right into the topic that we're going to talk about today. It's, uh, in large part come about because I've gone on this recent trip to the Middle East. Uh, of course, you all know, I went with my son, we had a picture day. Uh, you know, we did all that and kind of showed things to people, uh, about what we did and uh, just just absolutely incredible. We went to see some of these biblical locations that many people are told there's simply no evidence for. And so, to me, when I went to see them in person, whether it's Mount Sinai or the Altar of the Golden Calf or uh, whatever, you, you know, you name it, um, it, it's, it would seem to me that these things are foundational to our faith. They're foundational to uh, us and and what we do, whether they really happened, um, and so that's that's why it's it's so important. Uh, and um, I, I remember when I was a young Christian, uh, Ryan. I remember having a uh, I remember having a moment, kind of like where I was questioning God, and and I had thrown myself just you know um, wholly into this new thing called the Christian faith, or at least it was you know new for me to follow Christ the way that I was following Him, and. Uh, these these Bible stories, um, I, I remember having moments where I would think, did they really happen? And it kind of created just like a little bit of, you know, I guess, panic in my heart to think that they might not have happened. Um, be, because there's something in us that makes us say these things are uh, are are real. And, and we, it, I mean, for, the, for the, the rest of the Bible to be true in terms of our salvation, in terms of some of the things that we know about Jesus, we need them to be true. So developed a little bit of a, uh, developed a, just a little bit of a, of a desire to study these things more um, to the point that, you know, I actually made a trip out to the Middle East. And um, in doing so, got acquainted with uh, someone by the name of Logan Keysweater. He's actually joining us in studio here in one moment, but uh, he also has seen many of these locations. Uh, he works hand-in-hand hand with uh, another gentleman by the name of Tim Mahoney who puts films together that you can actually go see in your local movie theater, uh, which is pretty cool uh, to be able to do that. And uh, I asked Logan if he'd you know, be willing to kind of jump on and talk through some of this stuff with us today. So without any further ado, I wanted to introduce him to you right now. Here is Logan Keysweater. Logan, thanks for joining us, man. Hey, Pastor AJ, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you're welcome, bro. And I'm going to jump right at your hat right now. (laughs) Um, Let's do it. So this hat is not just a normal hat. And like I asked you what was on there, 
What's on your hat? Tell the tell the people what's on your so, hat. So so what's on my hat? These are Paleo Hebrew letters, yeah. and it spells out God's name in, okay. in ancient ancient Paleo Hebrew text. And how do you how do you pronounce God's name? Do you say Yehovah? So, is that your? So the, I know a lot of people. I, the kind of the standard scholarly consensus people say Yahweh. I am one of the people though who pr- pronounces it Yehovah. I, I'm, okay. All I'm right. convinced. I'm convinced of that pronunciation and some of the scholarship behind it. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm with you as well, man. I'm with yeah. you. I, I agree. Um, yeah, yeah. It's. Um, in fact, when you look at Jehovah too, I, I didn't realize this that you know when I was younger, but the the J, the the letter J, was originally pronounced like a Y, like yeah, you mm-hmm. know. So I mean, even if it, it kind of adds credence to to the name Jehovah that we see. Yeah, it just it, it just started getting mispronounced along, along the way. And it was actually fairly recently in history that uh, in the English language, the, the letter J, J started getting a J sound because it used to be Y. So, you know, it would have been, mm-hmm. been Yehovah. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, yeah. And uh, really cool. You just had to like top, like j- it wouldn't have been cool enough to have just like, you know, the tetragrammaton on there. <laughs> you had to have it in Paleo Hebrew. You know, you had to. You couldn't just do Hebrew. You had to do. Pa- How, where did you get that? So it's a long story. I well, I wanted. I I had. A, I have a hat that has the regular tetragrammaton on it. Yeah. Um. But I was like. I want to go even further back. I want to go even more ancient. And so we looked up to see if there were hats that had it in Paleo Hebrew and happened to cross a website. There's several websites that produce them. And so I actually was given this as a gift. Holy um, cow, it was, man. It was something I was hoping to get. That so. makes you like really authentic, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I think it's pretty cool. So um, yeah, Logan. So I know we've been in discussion. We've talked quite a bit about the importance of the gospel. I know it's something that you're passionate about. Obviously, my ministry is called Gospel Ministries. And I just got on this thing in large part because I have a son and I know you have a son as well. And uh, what's your son's name? You said he's, he's going on three, right? He's yeah. Gonna... My, yeah. My son's name is Asher. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, wow, man. Look at that biblical name there. Naming your kids, <laughs> biblical stuff. You got the proto Hebrew on your hat, man. That's, that's awesome. I love it. I'm trying. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I, a lot of this stuff with the Bible started for me, um, really as my son started to grow up and, and especially, you know, once he kind of got close to his teenage years and I was starting to think through my faith a little bit and, uh, you know, stuff that I might not have been just as passionate about in previous years to, uh, in dire need, uh, to, you know, uh, teach these things, maybe the way that I'm teaching them now, um, in terms of, having to see a literal global flood. There was a time in my life where I was, um, you know, I, I was open to a regional flood, a partial, you know, of that area of the world where, uh, where all of humanity died, but you know, that, that kind of thing. But as my son started to, uh, he, he goes to a public school here. And, and so as he started to kind of, you know, get a little bit older and start to actually get indoctrinated from the school system and so on and culture, I started to just really do some soul searching and just really feel a deep need to, um, to understand the Bible stories as literally true. I think that's the way Jesus understood them. Um, there's several places in scripture where we see this. Uh, that's the way Paul understood them. I mean, re- really, that's the way the ancient world understood these stories. They they understood them as as being literally true, not something that um, you know we could kind of well maybe the Exodus happened or maybe it didn't. Who knows? I don't know if you ever heard somebody say who knows before, but like uh, I started to really just kind of feel like this need to um, to see that things way that to see those things that way and and develop this conviction that maybe in large part too in our culture this is part of the problem when we're trying to share the gospel with people um and our theme verse for this ministry is Romans 1:16 that I am not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes so when we look at this as just kind of like a, a general foundation, Romans 1.16, it's talking about the gospel, it's the power of God to salvation, and, you know, for everyone who believes, but believes in what? What is that person believing in? I think when we look at the Bible, the Bible's telling us a story, and if you take Jesus 
and you just remove him uh, out of outside of the context of Scripture and all these preceding revelations and Bible stories, whether it's Mount Sinai, um, which you've been to but didn't climb. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> a little something I brought up in our last episode. But uh, Logan did go to Mount Sinai, like like I did, and and everything. But he did. It, Ryan, do you know that Logan did not climb Mount Sinai? Jeez, he had, there's a whole reason for that. But <laughs> he, he actually, yeah. <laughs> so, but anyway, so uh, so yeah. So I, I think if you if you take Jesus and you just you know remove him from these stories, Jesus all of a sudden doesn't make any sense. The gospel, I think, loses its power, in my mm-hmm. opinion. It loses its power. And so I guess that's what I wanted to talk a little bit about today. Um, Logan, you, you being somebody who has seen these things in person, obviously you de- you developed a, a passion to see them. You, you wanted to fly halfway across the world. You live in Chicago now, but you wanted to, you know, fly halfway across the world to, um, you know, to see these things because you were impacted by it because you developed conviction um, working with Ryan Morrow and, and now with Tim Mahoney, who, who actually creates Christian films, documentary films, showing the stuff that, you know, we've been talking about here. I guess, like, let me just throw that question at you. Why is this important to you that these things happened? Why is that important to you? Yeah, no, I, well, I, I want to go back to something that you said, because it, I think it is also foundational. I mean, this is the foundation of scripture. Yeah. And one thing that really impacts me is there's a scholar named Dr. Brian Rickett who pointed this out one time, but there's a verse in the Gospel of John where Jesus is talking about Moses. And he says, if you don't believe the writings of Moses, how can you believe my words? So you have Jesus right there in that verse saying, if you don't believe this, if you don't believe yeah. the Old Testament, if you don't believe these foundational books, how can you believe me? And right. so it's like, in a sense, Dr. Rickett said Jesus is staking his entire credibility on the fact that the Torah, that these Old Testament books, that these events happened and were real. Yeah. He believed them. The apostles believed them. We were talking about the flood. Um, the apostle Peter compares the global judgment of the flood to the end times judgment of fire. And so these were things that that Christ and the apostles believed in and and pointed to. And I I think it's, I just think it's critical because these are the, these are the foundation. It's the seedbed from which everything else in scripture springs forth. If these things aren't true, then what does the rest of the book matter? Um, Something that, that Tim has said before. So I'm stealing this line from him. He's, he said before, if the sea didn't part, did the stone roll away from the tomb? So it's, it's, I think it's, I think it's critical. And the thing that's so important about it to me is with these being those foundational events, I wanted to know that these things were real. Like I didn't just, when I was coming back to faith, I didn't just want to believe in God. I wanted to know that God was real and the Genesis and the Exodus and all of these things, they're, they're, they're the foundation that all the critical scholars and all, all the atheists attack and I think it's it's super important. If Jesus believed in these things, if the apostles believed in these things as Christians, I think we need to believe in them too and take a very serious look at them. So I, I wanted to know that they were real. And as we've discussed, I mean, the evidence is out there that these things did happen. Yeah. Ryan, what are some of your thoughts on that? I mean, I know a little bit about your background, but I mean, um, you know, kind of you were raised in the church. So uh, what are your thoughts on, on some of that? I mean, the importance of these, uh, these stories being true. Would, would that or did that have any impact on you as a, as a young person? I would definitely say is in my own search of life and, and understanding the things of God, I too questioned, you know, is the things that God said or did actually true? And I took a lot of years, well, Let's backtrack one second. So I grew up, uh, you know, in a Christian home. Uh, my dad's an ordained, ordained pastor, not of a church, but, you know, he has the credentials on that. And, you know, the Bible was just really a core part of our family. But most of my life, I did it in a religious aspect, not in a relational aspect. And uh, to speed things up, in searching are these things actually true? You know, I really ask God to open up my heart, open up my mind to just some of the things I just couldn't, I just couldn't believe it. Like, uh, you know, even the stone rolling away or even, you know, Jesus dying on the cross uh, for my sins and everybody else's. And uh, there was a certain extent of my life where I just felt the truth come in. And again, they're still searching. They're still seeking. They're still uh, understanding the revelation side of scripture. Uh 
but there is too many accounts of the truth that you just cannot deny. Yeah. We didn't come from a star. We didn't come from apes. We didn't come from some random explosion and then boom, everything there it is. Uh, there's actually a protein molecule uh, on the inside of us that is in the shape of a cross. Uh, there's mm. even more accounts of stuff in our bodies that just there's no way that that could just randomly happen. Yeah, I, I like the uh, you know the the, the phrase to, not enough faith to, ha- to be an atheist. You know, <laughs> when you think about it, it, there really just are so many things that point us to Jesus and to uh, to the cross, to the Bible being true. Um, it, it makes me want to say, Logan, you brought this up. Uh, when we look at the assault on some of this stuff, uh, people saying it didn't happen, uh, skeptical scholars and stuff like that. I think it really reveals where it's coming from. Ultimately, I don't think I don't think this anti-God point of view is is coming from people, so to speak. I think it's it's coming from the father of lies, and it's it's just uh, you know these are just other forms of deception that we see. Whether it's evolution, you know, which says that billion, there's billions of years and millions of years, and there was it, it, it evolution as a as an ideology. Forget about the science of it. The ideology of it, what does it teach us about who we are? What, what, is this, what does this teach us about where we came from and what our purpose is? It completely undermines the gospel. And, um, you know, it, it, saying that some of these Bible stories aren't true, saying that there's no evidence for them, and, or, or even just kind of going that extra step to say it's not important, it undermines the gospel. It undermines the authority of the Bible, of God's word. I mean, it's like you said, and both you guys kind of, uh, you know, kind of touched on this. Like, how do you know the resurrection is true if the Bible can't get the Exodus right? If the Red Sea wasn't parted, which was a great symbol of our salvation, how do we know we can actually count on our salvation and that there is, in fact, therefore, now no condemnation in Christ? There's a, a good scripture if, if you uh, go back in Romans, um, uh, it, it, we started off talking about Romans one sixteen. but if, if you actually move backward and you, you, you go to Romans chapter 1, uh, beginning in verse 1, Paul says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. And then he goes on, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him we have received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. So this is our job in the world here, that the, the church is still working out in the world, calling all the, the nations to faith uh, for Jesus' name's sake. And then he goes on to say in verse 6, and you who are also among those Gentiles, talking to those who are in Rome, who are called to belong to Christ Jesus, to all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be, holy, to be he his holy people, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul does not just disconnect Jesus from preceding Scripture. And so because he doesn't, neither should we. There's another great Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 where we read something very similar. Um, Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud, the cloud in the wilderness. They all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and they ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them. This is the split rock that we saw. Uh, My son Spider-Man like crawled up through the middle of it. And that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now, these things occurred or happened as examples. These things happened to them as examples. But if I stop on that verse just halfway through, these things happened. These things, what? They occurred. They happened. They happened to them as examples for us. But they happened. These things happened. These things happened. Paul saw that these things had happened. Paul says elsewhere when he's talking to the Athenian uh, people, 
Um, these people weren't even believers. He was speaking in what was called the Areopagus, and he's looking for a connecting point. He sees a statue to an unknown God, but then he goes to preach the gospel that all men came from one man, which seems to go against what we, a modern-day form of paganism in the form of evolution, where, where we have a different, if you, if you think about what it is, it's a different narrative for how we mm-hmm. came to be. It gives us different principles to live by. It tells us something different even about God and, and who he is and, and that there was death before there was sin and that God created through death. I mean, it, it really says something completely opposite of what the Bible teaches. And so, you know, long story short, I think, I think it's key. It's, it's vital. It's vital that we see that these things actually happened. It, it's vital that we see them that way. Logan, so you've, you've seen a lot of these things in person. I mean, could you, could you actually like maybe even share, like, what was it that spurred you on to want to like fly halfway across the world to see this stuff? Because yeah. obviously you feel like it was important as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I, I think I shared this with you before, but I, I grew up Christian and had that foundation, but then I strayed really far from the faith in high school, college, and, and played in a band afterwards. And so I had this just very worldly life, lifestyle and had like a total rock bottom experience where I just hit rock bottom and felt called to come back to faith and, and felt this push to come back to faith, but I would try to push it down and push it away and ignore it, but it got to a point where I couldn't ignore it any longer. And in that process, that's when I started this process of research that I, I truly believe God led and guided and brought me to different resources that just showed this evidence that showed, you know, the Genesis is real history, that the Exodus did happen. Uh, and when you start looking into that, you come across all these things, especially with the Exodus, you come across the debates of, well, what time period did the Exodus happen in? Where is the real Red Sea crossing? Where's the real Mount Sinai? And when I got plugged into that world, when God plugged me into that world, it just became something I became so passionate about because if this is real, if these things happened, like the scripture says, these things happened, yeah. then it, it should change. It changes everything. It should change everything because if this is real history, if these things, if these events took place, if these people were real, if God acted in human history, then the message of the Bible is true and is critical. Amen what it says about salvation, what it says about how we're to live. It, it means everything. It is everything. And so that's what propelled me halfway across the world to go to Saudi Arabia and see these sites in person. And it was a huge gift from God to just be able to research these things and then see these things in person. And it's, uh, to me, it's, it's, it, I, I don't have any words for it. It's just to be there and to be in this place where these things happen, where Moses and the Israelites walked and stood, where, at, at the golden calf site where like a horrible, severe instance of idolatry happened or to see the split rock where there's this great miracle or to stand on the shores of the Red Sea. It does something. It's profound. It's just yeah. profound. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's amazing. I know for, for me, um, wanting my son to know that, wanting him to see that this stuff is true. Um, I, I, Paul is talking to these people in, in, in Athens in Acts chapter 17 and he doesn't hesitate to overlay this narrative on them. A lot of times we're trying to be sensitive. There's people, um, you know, we, we were discussing before we started today, Andy Stanley, famous pastor, uh, son of Charles Stanley, and he made a, a statement that was controversial a couple years ago and basically saying something along the lines of like some of the stuff, like what, what happened in the Old Testament, the brutality or the different things that seem to contradict the quote, grace that's in the new testament um it doesn't matter because that's old testament he says i just teach people the new testament now coming from someone who is is more what's called covenantal i see more of a streamlined nature between the old and the new and to me when i hear somebody say about the new that it's it's distinct and it's different because it because the old testament didn't have grace the old testament um you know, it wasn't as nice. I don't think somebody really understands the Old Testament. I don't think someone really understands these stories personally, the person that is making that statement, because it's the same God throughout the whole Bible and this process of revelation. Um, human civilization might have been, you know, a little bit more barbaric on occasion, but I mean, it really doesn't seem like we're far from that today. 
uh, nonetheless, it's it's just so important that we see things that way. And and when I look at Paul and, and his interactions with people, or even Jesus, he wasn't afraid to afraid to overlay that, overlay this narrative, our narrative, because it does really compete with uh, the the narratives that we find out there in the world. And um, you know, Paul goes into a context in Acts chapter seventeen, and and he's speaking to these pagan people who have a totally different explanation of where we came from. I mean, what did they believe in, in ancient Athens? They believed in the ancient Greek mythology and Zeus and all this stuff. And Paul doesn't hesitate there to, to use this, the statue to an unknown god. But then he goes on to say that all men came from one man, talking about our father Adam. So this goes all the way back to Genesis. And then Paul says and that, that God will judge the whole world through one man, the Lord Jesus Christ. He says all of this in Acts chapter 17. I understand our need to be seeker and to be sensitive sometimes when sharing the gospel. I think Paul walked that balance in Acts chapter 17 when he was in Athens. But he didn't hesitate to overlay the gospel narrative, the whole narrative from Genesis to Revelation, the whole thing. And I, I think that's why some of this is just so important. I think it also reveals, again, where the other narrative is coming from and why it's so often hard for us to share the gospel. If, if Exodus isn't true, if Genesis isn't true, if God didn't judge the world and God's not going to judge the world, and, and that's a whole other thing, is there's a lot of people out there today who don't want us to be talking about how God's going to judge the world. God's going to judge the world. And... And if, if, if that other narrative is telling us we all came from, you know, inanimate objects or stardust, like you were, like you were saying, uh, Ryan. Um, the Big Bang. The, the Big Bang, right, right. If, if we came from that and it was just a big cosmic accident and there's no morality, I understand I'm lumping, like, Christians who do believe in a Big Bang or do believe in evolution. And honestly, I want to encourage you not to do that. There's, there's, re, there's not... Uh, you, you don't have to. You don't have to. You don't have to check your brain at the door when you become a Christian. But, um, but, but when you start to go down that road, I think what it does is it undermines our need for salvation. Really, I mean, it, it if 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 there isn't a morality, if things are the result of chance, and, and I know some of this strays a little bit away from the Bible stories, uh, are kind of our topic of the day, where Bible Bible stories happened and the importance of them happening, um, kind of, but not really. I think it starts to undermine the gospel. It takes away a need for the gospel, uh, you know, and and it takes away our ability to preach it. A lot of times, we're trying to um, we're trying to preach the gospel to a, a culture that just doesn't see a need for it because their narrative has told them they don't need it. This narrative is being taught to kids from the time that they're born. It's being preached to them through our TV shows. It's being, it's being preached to them through our school systems. It's not... <laughs> it, you want to call it a conspiracy th- theory? It is. Satan is after the hearts of our children. Satan himself is after the hearts of our children. And we've all been there where we fell victim to him, right? Logan, you have. I did. Ryan, you fell victim to Satan, right? And we all came to Jesus because we needed him in our lives, and we wanted to, you know, have a relationship with him. We saw ultimately that we need him. So, uh, so anyways, this stuff is true, I think. Uh, it undermines the gospel to say that it isn't true. And you've been, Logan, working quite a bit with Tim Mahoney, who uh, he's been actually putting these documentaries together uh, I've gone to see at least two of them in the theater. I've seen. I've actually watched all of them. A couple of them I, I rented digitally. Um, but tell us a little bit about that because um, I, I thought it was super cool when I uh, came to know you. You you were working with Ryan Morrow, and then you uh, now you're helping Tim put his do his documentaries. I've actually seen you in one of them. I actually saw you, uh, or I saw Tim mention you. When he was talking to Jim and Penny Caldwell, he was doing like a. Uh, I, I saw a YouTube video that he did with the Caldwells, who uh, that's the couple that uh, discovered the split rock at, mm-hmm. at Sinai, at the base of Sinai. There, uh, the giant split rock. Um, I heard Tim mention your name. He said something about like I, I, 
Logan uh, can read to me the comments or something like that. But he, I heard him. I so so we know it's the real deal, man. You're you're you know kind of in the big time now. Um, you know the uh, in, in the big pond working with guys like Tim. So uh, tell us a little bit about that. Tim is passionate about this same subject, and mm-hmm. so tell us what it's like to work with Tim. Maybe some a little bit about Tim and kind of what drives him as well along these same lines. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's first off, it is it's a huge gift from God. And Tim, one thing that I I believed about Tim even before I was doing stuff with Tim was that he was very genuine in his faith. But now actually yeah. working for Tim, like you can see how sincere and just his heart is so for the Lord. And so, so is the rest of the team. And it's just, that's wonderful. And like prayer is a part of, uh, we have prayer meetings and stuff like that. And so it's just, it's wonderful to be in that atmosphere and that environment where prayer and God is so central and that's the focus. And so it's just, that's wonderful. But Tim, he is, it's the same kind of thing. He's passionate about these things for the same reason. He had a crisis of faith where he was told he grew up believing these things. And it was so central to his life because of his, his broken home, his broken family, and his his mother raising he and his brothers and sisters to believe in the God of the Bible. And so this was central to his life, and they had a crisis of faith when he was told by a well-known archaeologist that there there is no evidence for the Exodus or that this had ever happened. And I think he said it was like he was hit in the head with a two-by-four when he was told that. And so it just sprung him on this journey to, to seek the evidence and find answers. Instead of giving up and becoming agnostic or becoming atheist, he, he sought the answers. And I, I, that's another thing where I believe God guided all the way and found that there are answers there. These scholars who say there's no evidence, they're looking in the wrong time and they're looking in the wrong place for yeah. a lot of these things. And, and that's where the things where, where these scholars get so derisive and claim there's no evidence. Well, they're the ones that are looking in in the wrong periods or the wrong locations. And when you look in the right periods, the right locations, then all the evidence is there and it lines up perfectly. And so it was that crisis of faith, that being told there's nothing there that propelled him forward to seek answers. And I think God blessed and guided that all the way because God's sovereign. And it revealed this, this pattern that shows that these events did happen and that there was an exodus and that there was a Red Sea crossing and that Moses could write the Torah and that there is a Mount Sinai. And so that's that's kind of the gist of it, where it's it's this whole thing that we're talking about, just, again, using that word foundational, that these foundational events in Scripture actually took place and not giving up when you're confronted by somebody, but actually seeking the answers and, and seeking God and and trying to to see where the truth searching for truth it's a search for truth yeah i I love it and and these are really are incredible i mean i mean these these movies ryan i know you you haven't seen them or heard of them um but uh i mean i would strongly encourage you or anybody out there who hasn't seen these things to to watch them um they they really are well done and i'm an academic i went all the way through school i got my you know doctoral degree and all that stuff and uh Tim's movies are are fantastic. I mean, they're they're just well done. Um, he even not only in, in his first documentary, he kind of talks about evidence for the Exodus, and he he uh, um, uh, where he he looks at evidence for the Israelites being in Egypt initially. Uh, but in his second documentary that he came out with, he talked about evidence for there being uh, a proto Hebrew writing that's on your hat right there, Logan, and that met. Like, I don't even think he, he would realize, I mean, a guy like me who comes from seminary and I went to a conservative seminary, but I was told that, you know, there, there isn't any evidence for the Exodus that it's, it's not there and people don't know where it is. I don't know if the guys that I was learning from didn't know about some of these locations. I don't know if they just weren't open to, I I don't know. And I I learned from some incredibly brilliant, uh, spirit filled, uh, God-fearing men, uh, pastors that, that taught me in seminary, taught me how to study the Word. So one of the things I was told was that, that, that these stories were written down after the Babylonian captivity, you know, that that was, that was when they were possibly written down. And, and uh, you know, so that, uh, that part two, that, that second movie that he came out with there was incredible, but, but they are really well done. I just wanted to make that point that these are incredibly well done, and uh, you've got to check them out if you haven't. Uh, Tim just recently released a, a movie called Journey to Mount Sinai, and um, he, he, that came out in theaters in October. Now, he's coming out with a second one 
uh, which is called Journey to Mount Sinai Part 2. Now, I think, it, correct me if I'm wrong, Logan, between both films, he's actually assessing different mountains that people claim could be Mount Sinai, including the one that you and I went to visit. Um, tell us a little bit about this, uh, this new film that he has coming out. We actually have a promo for that film that I'll play in a, in a minute here. Uh, but but kind of set this up a little bit for us, Logan. Tell us tell us the deal here. What like what his his uh, uh, what he's trying to accomplish, and tell us a little bit about part one. And if you can too, when part two is coming out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, Journey to Mount Sinai, it's covering what are I think considered the six primary Mount Sinai candidates: three in the Sinai Peninsula one that's technically in Israel, and two that are in Saudi Arabia. So there's many okay. candidates for Mount Sinai, but those are the six primary. And so I, the, the basic understanding is if it's not any of these, it can't be any of the other possibilities. These are the six primary candidates. So part one assessed the three candidates that are in the Sinai Peninsula. Part two is now going to assess one of the candidates in Israel and the two that are in Saudi Arabia. Okay. Um, and so it's just looking, using the Bible as our guide and looking at also the archaeological evidence, the historical evidence, the geographical evidence and seeing which mountain best fits the biblical criteria, which one lines up with scripture and which ones don't line up with scripture, or they maybe line up with parts of it, but not all of it, or they twist scriptures to try to make it fit, which mountain best fits the criteria, which is is most likely the real Mount Sinai. And so part two is going to, like I said, focus on these other ones. So one of them's Harkarkum, one of them uh, in Saudi Arabia is called Halel Bedar. And then the one that you and I had gone to, Jebel El Laws, um, that's that's the one that I, I believe is the real Mount Sinai. Um, but t- the, the films are going to do a very fair and unbiased review of these candidates and let the scholars have their say. That's one thing that Tim really tries to do is let everybody have their say, let it let them feel like their views have been heard, and then the viewer is is able to make a decision for themselves based on the evidence. Yeah, I, I mean, if there's one thing Tim does a great job of, it's really being uh, non-biased and coming in and and letting some of these people talk. It's it's something that almost uh, and and I know he's not trying to create, he's not doing it doing it for comedic value, but sometimes when he's talking to to some of these guys who are <laughs> They're non-believers, and and they'll just say some crazy things, you know. And, and it's something he just sits there and, and and lets them, you know, lets them share their view. But what it does is it really, it, it I think it shows the power uh, and the uh, of the evidence that he's presenting, and uh, it really wins people over like that. I know um, I I went to one of the other locations, and that was St. Catherine's, that uh, monastery, and and uh, you know the the mountain that's in one of the mountains in the Sinai Peninsula. It's, it's also known as the traditional Mount Sinai. And uh, he, he did a great job of, of showing um, in, in Journey to Mount Sinai Part 1, he did a great job of, like, of looking at that mountain. He looked at, an, at one other one uh, as well. And when I was looking on, on the TV and I'm, I'm watching this movie, I'm thinking, I, I just can't see the Israelites. You're talking about two to three million people Fitting in in this cavernous area, I actually stayed in a hotel there, right, right uh, in the in the valley next to that Saint Catherine's monastery. I'm, having personally been there, the Israelites do not fit <laughs> in that location. They just don't fit there. And you know, I'm I'm looking real forward to kind of seeing how he fleshes this out in part two. But uh, I just really wanted to emphasize that I, I feel like he's done a fantastic job with these series. Um, and, and I feel like it's it's blessed so many people, and it's going to bless so many more. But uh, here is our uh, video. This goes about five minutes, and it is a uh, a promo for the upcoming uh, Journey to Mount Sinai Part t- Part Two. So take a look. The first mountain in my continuing investigation is Har Karkun. In the 1950s, Italian archaeologist Emanuel Anati was one of the first surveyors of Israel's Negev Desert. As a leading expert in ancient rock art, he was surprised by what he discovered. I did not look for Mount Sinai. I didn't even think to put Mount Sinai in my research. When I first found this mountain, Parkarkom, I was looking for rock art, and I made a survey in the Negev Desert, 
and among other things they found this mountain which was full of rock art but has also a shrines, cult sites of all sorts, standing pillars and so on. After years of research, Anadi published his findings in his book, The Mountain of God. It was this identification that inspired others to follow, including Deb Hearn, a housewife from Australia and mother of four. A family vacation took her to Israel, where she met Dr. Tali Eriksson-Gini, who is the director of archaeology for the Negev region. Tali introduced Deb to Anadi's proposal of Harkar Kum as the real location for Mount Sinai. My wife Jill and I joined them in the North Sinai region to investigate the site. This was the road. It's look, it's washed out. You see what happened? What I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That was the road, and it's just totally been washed out. It was a brutal journey as we traveled deeper into this barren landscape. Jill began to realize the danger in isolation. She gained a deeper appreciation for why the Israelites called out to Moses. Why did you bring us out into the wilderness to die? After several hours, we finally set up camp at the base of the mountain. It's pretty amazing being here at Harkar Kum. It you know, really is. You have worked together for for 20 over years. 20 years. Yeah, 20 years. Mm -hmm. what, what did that collaboration look like? Debbie's working from far away and she's working on maps and she said, oh, well, they just went up here and they went over this ridge and I'd say, no, they didn't. There's like, there's no way. This is something that's impassable. But if we go over here, we can see where, the, where there's an ancient road going in this direction. And that was what really convinced her. After years of pursuing these questions, Deb decided to go back to school and eventually earned a PhD in biblical geography. Why do you think you were so interested in, in doing this? Well, everyone, everyone would like to be sure that what they base their life on is a worthwhile and a sensible foundation. I had a crisis of faith like most people do in my mid-30s. I had another one in my mid-40s. And I think maybe it was the emotion of those uh, crises which propelled me to decide whether what I was basing my life on was true, worthwhile, um, necessary. Look, if the stories of the Bible didn't happen to real people in real time, in real space, then I for one, and I don't know if there's something wrong with me, but I for one don't know why I would bother. Why would you go to church every week? Why would you pray? Why would you look forward to the future if the whole foundation of what you are doing this for is a fiction? The questions Deb was confronting are also being raised by millions of people around the world. Did the events of the Bible really happen? Does God reveal who he is throughout history? And if so, can I trust this God today? My own crisis of faith early in this investigation raised similar questions and is what led to the development of the Patterns approach. Super cool, man. Super. <laughs> makes me want to see it. <laughs> <Do> we... <laughs> so I'm going to put you on the spot, Ryan. Do you have, do you have a date? Uh, <laughs> are you, are you, are you have a date that you're allowed to share with us? Um, <laughs> let me think for a second. Okay. I'll say that. I'll I'm, say I'm taking that as a no. You, no I, I, here's what I think. I think you have a date, but you're not allowed to share it. That's what I think. I have a roundabout. <laughs> I'll just say, hopefully the hope, the goal is sometime within late spring okay. of 2023. Okay. That's what so, I'll say. So spring ends June is it 20th or 21st, something like that? Some, somewhere in the nebulous. <laughs> okay. So. All right. I'll, 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 I'll lay off a little bit. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. I, looking, at, looking at this little promo here, and you see this lady talking about it, you know, again, just underscoring everything we're talking about here. People have a need. They realize that, that we have a need 
if we want to say that our salvation's in Jesus, our salvation is is in His death, His His substitutional death for our sins on the cross, and then His resurrection from the dead three days later. That that the whole book it, it's like a package deal, like we saw in Romans chapter one, uh, in the very very beginning, you know, verses one through seven. There we saw Paul talking about this. He's he's describing this this Jesus who was a descendant of David. So there's a need for these other stories to be true. This, this Jesus that fulfills other prophecies and other scriptures, there's a, there's a need for the other stories to be true as well. But, uh, Tim just does, uh, you know, a fantastic job. Um, and, and I'm just so thankful that he had, I mean, I'm sure he wasn't thankful for them in the moment, the, those, the, the crisis of faith moments that he had that probably led him to want to do some of these studies. I've had some of those as well. You've had them, uh, Ryan, you've had them. Um, Ryan, what's your thoughts on that uh, that little promo there, buddy? I thought uh, maybe I should ask you. Huh? Uh, honestly, very well put together. Uh, I've worked with some other local filmmakers that have uh, not not like on this biblical sense, but I made documentaries and things like that. And uh, I just appreciate the work that goes into them, and then just the amount of thought and just everything else in between. Uh, I honestly really loved it. It made me actually want yeah. to go there and see it for myself. Want to uh, go see it with me in the theater? Yeah. Sweet, or, or we can cl- uh, catch a plane ticket and go see <laughs> go, go see Mount Sinai. Heck yeah, I, I am uh, trying to uh, considering um, you know maybe putting a tour together. I mean, we know we know our, our friend Andrew Jones at at uh, Discovered Sinai. Um, he he puts tours together, and and I know uh, Logan, you went with Ryan. Ryan Morrow does tours. Uh, Joel Richardson does tours as well, and I. Logan, when you went, did you actually tent at the base of Mount Sinai? I don't know if you knew that you could do that, Ryan. You can actually tent at the base of Sinai, really? like the Israelites did. Yeah, in the wilderness, yeah. pretty sweet. Did you, did you tent? Logan? No, I, I did not. I did not. But there was a, they, there was an option to, and there are options to actually okay. camp at the base of Sinai. And so Ryan, Ryan didn't he didn't keep you from doing that too, did he? So you, so you didn't. <laughs> he's he gets thrown under the bus on this show. I feel so bad, Ryan. I love you, brother, and uh, you know uh, appreciate all that you. Ryan, doubting Thomas has been incredible as well. But well, uh, I'll, what I'll say is, Ryan. So the the group that was climbing the mountain, they were yeah. the ones who who camped out, and then the group the next day who wanted to look for. I see inscriptions. So Ryan wanted to look for inscriptions at the base with an older gentleman who couldn't climb the mountain. That was part of the reason. Um, oh, okay. Some of his physical stuff too. So yeah. we we looked for inscriptions. So the people who, but the people who climbed the mountain, they did. They camped out in tents with fires back behind the golden calf site at at the mountain. Holy yeah. cow, man! It's, I'm glad that they didn't um, do any sacrificing or anything, though. That was yeah. good at the golden <laughs> calf. That was one of the big moments for me was was seeing the golden calf altar, and. Um, I actually ordered a big like metal print of it that I have upstairs and and it's my son standing on top of the golden calf altar and it's back far away where you can see the whole complete altar with Sinai behind it, you know? So that moment I, I was literally just looking to check it off the box. Like I had seen everything else. I'd climbed to Elijah's cave. I'd climbed to Mount Sinai, climbed to the top of Mount Sinai, um, done all of these things. And I was really just looking to check that off the box and then I had this moment when I'm standing on top of the altar and I look up there and I see Mount Sinai and I'm like, they did all that stuff right here. They, they made that golden calf. They completely disobeyed God. And then I'm looking and they could see God's presence on top of the mountain. You know, we were standing up there where there were, it looks like there's burnt rock or a blackened peak. And, and I'm like, it just, it just really hit me. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, Hey, uh, Logan, great talking to you again, my friend. Um, Super. You got any, uh, I guess, words of wisdom or anything else exciting to tell us either about the show or about your life or whatever? I, I'm just excited. I'm just really excited about this series that you guys are doing. Yeah. Um, I, like I said, the, the episode one was awesome, and if people haven't seen that, I think they need to go back and watch it because you guys had a wonder, like a wonderful discussion there. And I just really appreciate you and what you're doing, and just that you're trying to spread truth. And well, thank you and so much, working, brother, pushing for it. So I, it's just awesome, and I'm I'm grateful to be here. Well, appreciate you, and uh, I, I'm gonna say right back at you. Appreciate everything that you were doing. Um, I heard good things about you from my friend. Dwayne Sherman. Uh, he, Dwayne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He. So he, we were on. Uh, he came to Egypt with us, and he saw the fake Sinai with us, 
we, we jokingly call St. Catharines the fake Sinai on our, <laughs> on our trip for, uh, regularly. And uh, I got to meet D. Wayne, but, but he mentioned he went, uh, he had already gone, I guess, like six months earlier than that. He had gone, uh, and, and, and he mentioned you. He says, man, Logan was fantastic and, you know, kind of going on and on about you, man. So uh, super cool to see what you're doing with uh, Mr. Tim there and all the, uh, all the stuff at Patterns of Evidence. I honestly cannot recommend these movies enough. Um, they will, if you're already a believer, they will encourage you. If you're not a believer and, you know, you're listening to the stuff that I'm saying right now, I want to encourage you just to check these films out. They're called Patterns of Evidence. They're fantastic. Um, you'll actually see Logan get interviewed in, in the last one. And they, they really just are faith builders. Does a, does a great job, too, I think, of showing all angles of these things. Uh, so if you just think, you know, he goes into this being biased, he really doesn't. I mean, um, you know, he, he goes into it trying to present the evidence so that you walk away from it seeing the evidence for the Bible. So uh, that's really cool. And uh, I do want to take a moment and tell you about uh, this ministry as I uh, let Logan go here. And I want to tell you about gospel ministries. There is a cost to what we do. And uh, if you want to support this ministry, you can go to pastoraj.com and you can become a monthly supporter where you will actually get one of these uh, very beautiful uh, Pastor AJ um, stainless steel tumblers, and uh, if you if you do that on a monthly basis, but for a gift of any amount, I'm actually giving you a piece of of Sinai in this nice little pouch here, a piece of the rock. It's a, a piece of the blackened peak of Sinai. I I kind of smuggled some of these out of Saudi Arabia. It's a small piece, but it's a piece. And there's also sand from both sides of the Red Sea crossing. So uh, that's for uh, a gift of any amount to gospel ministries. We are passionate about preaching the gospel. And a certain portion of your gift actually goes to providing Bibles for new believers. In fact, I just wrote somebody, uh, another pastor in the community here today, a check for that specifically uh, to support what he's doing in giving Bibles to new believers. So that's one of the things we're able to do. Uh, we also you know, create this content and create awareness uh, for topics just like this, trying to show you that the Bible is real and this world really needs Jesus. Here is a word from our sponsor before. I've already told you about my recent trip to the Middle East and the real Mount Sinai in Saudi Arabia. But what you may not know is that you can experience these things for yourself. And it's all made possible through our friends and ministry partners at DiscoveredSinai.com, where Andrew Jones and his team will take you on an adventure of biblical proportions to places like Noah's Ark, the Pyramids of Egypt, the real Mount Sinai and Red Sea Crossing site, the Split Rock of Horeb, Elijah's Cave, Sodom and Gomorrah, and Jerusalem. I can't emphasize enough just how incredible this opportunity is. It will be life-changing for you and your family. And here's the cool part. You can do the whole tour or just book the individual things you'd like to see. And the prices are amazingly reasonable for this all-inclusive spiritual experience. Book your tour today at DiscoveredSinai.com. Well, there you have it, friends. Uh, It's another podcast in the books. Uh, So excited to do this. Thanks again to uh, my uh, co-host for the day, Ryan Rinko and Logan Keysweater for joining us. Book your tour at Discovered Sinai and make sure you go see Tim Mahoney's new Patterns of Evidence film, Journey to Mount Sinai Part 2, coming out sometime this spring. We love you and we'll see you next time. Peace out.